on today's show. We break down whose team is the Hornets, who actually owns this team. Doug and David disagree. And also, we take a look at who's had the best and worst preseason so far for the Hornets and chat a little bit about everything else Hornets, including some community work and some new basketball courts for the city of Charlotte. Let's get into it. It's time to talk some hoops and stuff. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are coming to you from the home studio today here in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by newly hired bodyguard for Atlanta Hawks head coach Mike Budenholzer, David Walker. I bring the heat, Doug. Have you seen this video? This video that I'm talking about here that I make the joke about? Coach uh, mm-hmm. Coach Budenholzer. No, I never do. <laughs> <laughs> never know. Coach Budenholzer coaching uh, the uh, preseason game here. He's already injured, broke a finger, had to have surgery. He's on the sideline with his entire hand in a cast and arm in a sling. The Hawks oh. taking on the Pelicans. And the Pelicans guard, Langston Galloway, goes for a loose ball and bam, goes into the crowd, takes Coach Budenholzer and his cast with him. Budenholzer hey. writhing in pain. Oh, and look... A courtside fan tries to grab his cast here and, and help him oh. up. Oh, way to go, sport. That's a <laughs> good job. Coach Budenholzer is going to be like one of those uh, side characters, David, in a slapstick comedy that shows up in different parts of the movie more and more injured. <laughs> like, by the end of the season, he's going to be calling a sideline out-of-bounds plays out of the mouth hole of a full body cast. Like, that's how bad. <laughs> he was already injured, and now he gets taken out by Langston Galloway. Take it Anyhow, easy, Coach. Yeah. Everyone just relax. It's Be just preseason. He's he's more That's injured right. than most most players coming out of preseason. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers fans, head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. And NBA fans, make sure you're checking out Locked On NBA with host David Locke. If you have a question, a comment, or you want to sponsor the show, Email us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com and we'll answer your question or get you hooked up, whatever you need. Buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. Let's start uh, with uh, a really good story here the Charlotte Hornets teaming up with the NBA and the city to refurbish basketball courts in three parks around the city. Yesterday was the dedication of the first of the three parks, Latta Park which is just a few blocks from our fair studios here in Charlotte. The, the entire uh, Hornets team and organization was there for the event that included the dedication and a Hornets hoop camp for some area school kids. The remodel of this court includes a Hornets-themed basketball court with the logo in the middle, four basketball goals, eight benches, a water fountain, and waste receptacles, all emblazoned with the Hornets name and logo. And of course, the purple and teal, along with some other park improvements. The other two parks to get the full Hornets experience, as they are calling it, will be Camp Green Park and Tuckasegee Park. And the whole uh, operation is under this umbrella of a program called the Hornets Legacy Project. Really cool stuff. At the ceremony, team owner Michael Jordan, NBA commissioner, and a guy, NBA commissioner Adam Silver, and a guy who knows a lot about giving back, 
backup point guard Ramon Sessions all spoke at the event. We've got some images and sound from the event going up on our YouTube channel today, so look out for that, youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. So it was a great idea, David, I think, for a couple of reasons. First of all, a basketball court with Hornets colors and logos in a public park and three public parks is a very tangible imprint on the city. And it's weird, I think, a little bit to make a big deal over this because the Hornets began their run in Charlotte in the 1980s. But when you think about it, the Hornets began their escape from Charlotte in the early 2000s. And a lot of the viewable, tangible pieces of history around the city began to quickly or slowly fade away. I mean, they literally, they blew up the Coliseum, you know, after they left. The famous uh, mural on the side of the first union building, uh, the uh, Muggsy, LJ, and and Alonzo Mm -hmm. Mourning, that was long gone by that time. And when the Bobcats arrived, they barely imprinted their brand on the hearts and minds of fans, much less the city of Charlotte. So this event represents, in my mind, a reweaving of the Charlotte Hornets back into the fabric of the city in a way that you know actually benefits people in a practical way, but also understands that a lot of kids, a lot of younger people don't they knew the they know the Hornets were in Charlotte, but they don't understand what the Hornets used to mean to the city of Charlotte. So it's putting that unique imprint back onto the city, a really cool thing. Yeah, very cool. I think you're right. I was thinking about that too. The, these kids didn't know anything about, you know, the Hornets or when we were growing up, the, the birth of the Hornets, birth of the NBA, birth of per- professional sports in Charlotte. So I think it's a very cool thing to come back and, you know, it's all part of the rebranding project, of course, but, uh, this was a no brainer. And I think we talked about this when it, when they first announced it, I don't know, last season maybe, but I love the fact going down or going around and, redoing some of these basketball courts around town. It's just a great fit. And the uh, attendance that you mentioned of the whole team, Michael Jordan and Adam Silver, I mean, that's a really cool thing. I mean, the team has gone out of their way, you know, to kind of mandate that these guys be there, obviously, but that's a good showing from everyone. And it shows that the team and and the players too want to be involved in the community, want to do something tangible, like you said. And I just think that's a great look. Uh, for those guys to be out there, you know, the, the morning after, really, they played an away game in Chicago. So very cool scene and, and great stuff by you. I'm so glad you were on site to cover that for us, some of that great local coverage. I think you can only get on this podcast, Doug. Yeah, that no, great point. Yeah, I mean, locked on Hornets, we mean it. We're locked on the Charlotte Hornets, and you're going to get coverage not only of, of the basketball side of things, but also uh, of the things that are going on in the community, because again, it's important. It's important. It might not be as important to uh, big cities like New York and Los Angeles, where sports uh, fanship, fandom is sort of baked in. But here, the, the Hornets still have work to do to rebuild uh, what uh, the original Charlotte Hornets built here in Charlotte. And this year, I think they have a great opportunity because I think they're going to field a playoff team on the court again, a second straight playoff trip will help the fact. I mean, honestly, for being honest, I think the, the fact that the Carolina Panthers are not playing well uh, serves to put a little bit more attention on the Charlotte Hornets than they would normally get here in Charlotte because normally the Panthers uh, dominate. So I think this is a big opportunity for the team. I think it's also a good signal that the NBA is committed to Charlotte, committed to the Hornets after everything that's happened with 
uh, HB2 and, and the controversy around that and losing the All-Star game. It's nice to see Silver come down, shake hands with Michael Jordan. And, you know, again, these tangible imprints, they are a signal that at least for the meantime, the, the Hornets are here in Charlotte and they're here to stay. So that's important. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope, I hope all that talk can be put to rest, but you never know. And I think it's right. It's good to see Silver and the NBA continuing to have a presence, especially after all the stuff that's gone on the last couple of months. So anytime you see that, it's a good sign. Okay, let's uh, let's talk some actual basketball, David. We are getting set for Thursday's preseason game against the Miami Heat. That's set to tip off here in Charlotte at 7 o'clock p.m. It's supposed to be another... Uh, similar to to what happened in the previous preseason game, it's supposed to be another night where the, you should expect the starters to get starter minutes and your you know your five bench players to get their regular minutes as well. But I wanted to sort of ask this question before we head into this final tune up, final two tune ups before the regular season. Who's had the best preseason so far in your mind? This is a tough one, Doug, because it's been so up and down. I was actually, you might be surprised by this, I was uh, going to say Frank Kaminsky, and that was all based on scoring. So I had to back off that a, a little bit. Now, I hope I didn't steal your answer there. Um, but I'm going to say that, um, man, I had a good one, too. And I've gone back and forth on it, Doug. You could go. I, the thing, the cool thing about this question is that at this point in the preseason, and and really, I, I think and I it, it think is tough. This. But I, I think, think the, there are this, plenty so. of candidates that you could make the case for. Yeah, it's hard to say someone has jumped out um, and just blown people away because the first four games were so choppy, you know. But over the last three games, I still have to think it's Kimball Walker who's looked the best, especially in that first quarter um, the other night against the Bulls and closing out that first four game stretch. I mean. I think he, plus he, he didn't play. Um, he, he was he was out for a good portion of camp. So that'll be my answer. I mean, to be honest, no one's really blown me away. Um, but I would say Kemba's been the strongest so far. I think you can make the case for him because he's doing things that we didn't necessarily see last season. He's made improvements. Uh, so that's exciting to see. I think based on the yeah. raw numbers, you're right. You could make the case for Frank Kaminsky, who has played the most minutes of anyone in the preseason, 27.9 minutes, and that's good because we all know Frank Kaminsky did not get an opportunity to play in summer league because of uh, an injury. So he's getting plenty of run in the preseason, 12.8 points per game this preseason, averaging 6.4 rebounds and 1.6 assists. So, uh, but, you know, shooting for everybody, you kind of have to take that away, except for the next guy, Jeremy Lamb, who is shooting 50% from the field, uh, only shooting Ooh. 21% from beyond the arc, so he's still got some work to do on his three-point shot, but he's averaging uh, ten po- over 10 points a game, uh, 5.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists. So I think, and in terms of improvement, I think he's improved his defense uh, over the past couple of preseason games. You could make the case that Jeremy Lamb, who needed to have wow. a really good preseason, is having the best preseason of any uh, Charlotte Hornets player. But here's going to be my pick. I think Nicholas Batum has had the best mm. preseason for the Charlotte Hornets. Statistically, 10 points, uh, 3.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists. You go, oh, well, I don't know. You know, is that really, is that really worthy of, of the, the mantle of best preseason? Here's why I say it is. Because in the, in the several games that we've seen him play, he has, done, he has played those games 
like Nick Batum. Right. Like his his game matches what you would see him play in the regular season, meaning sure. he's come into this preseason ready to go. Okay, I like that, Doug. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I agree with you. He has looked ready to go from day one, um, and he looks in regular season shape. So that's fine. But I think you would – I mean, you mentioned like four guys, right? So it has been kind of tough to say point to one guy as, as the overall outlier for – has been fantastic, and maybe that's a good thing. I mean, maybe they're you know coming along at the same pace. I don't know who's had the worst preseason. No, just I just eyeballing it. Who who do you think has had the worst preseason so far? Uh, PJ is not here anymore. So. <laughs> it's pro. I mean, it's probably it's probably MKG, right? I mean, unfortunately, gosh, I, you I know. know I, and and again, shooting, this right? is. This is preseason. Everyone's still trying to work their things out. So this isn't like, oh, MKG is going to be a terrible player. Or, oh, you know, uh, Nick Nick Batum is going to have a great, uh, an absolutely great year, and we know it because of preseason. That's not what we're saying. But I mean, when you look at it, twenty six percent from the field, uh, his struggle yeah. to shoot, and that was going to be the big, the big revelation for Michael K. Gilchrist this season. That's what we all expected yeah. because of what we saw in those seven games that he played last season. Well, we're not seeing it yet in the preseason. He's staying aggressive. Nah. That's good. Are we really expecting him to be able to shoot? I mean, is that a re- is that a realistic expectation? Well, I don't know if it's realistic, but it's certainly I the Hornets have to have him shooting at least be a threat outside. He's going to be open. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He's going to be open. Um he's going to be open all night. Um what about Bellinelli? I mean, he came on a little bit in that last game, but he had, he had kind of a rocky start. Yeah, he had a rocky start. Still trying to find his shot, shooting 27% from beyond the arc, but he is getting to the line. Uh, and a lot of these yeah. Hornets are. Uh, Roy Hibbert attempting four free throws a game. Marvin Williams attempting four free throws a game, uh, along with Ramon Sessions. So a lot of guys uh, getting to the line consistently. That's what the Hornets are going to have to do this season, by the way. They're going to have to shoot a lot of free mm-hmm. throws. It, it, that they're going to have to manufacture offense in that way because I don't think they have... Uh, we've talked about not having those fail safes, so I think the free throw line is going to have to be the new Hornets fail safe on offense. Uh, so look for that as well. So I, I think Thursday night's preseason game offers an opportunity for several guys who have had uh, tough preseasons to start to really lock in and get into regular season form uh, because you know once October twenty sixth rolls around. You got to throw the excuses out the window. I mean, there can't, you know, you, you, you have to, I think at some point in preseason, you have to start showing, okay, my, my game's locked in. I'm ready to go. At least that's what you hope. Yeah. And we talked about it a little this week that, you know, they probably won't play the full slate of players the last, <laughs> what, two games. You know, I mean, you wouldn't expect to see much Kemba, MKG. I think they will. And I think they will Thursday. Yeah. I think they will Thursday night. I, I think you, you could see most of, most of those same rotations Thursday night, maybe not Marvin Williams because he's still dealing with that injury to his uh, finger on his left hand, middle finger on his left hand, sprain that right uh, in the last game. But yeah, that Minnesota game, I think is all about development. I think you'll see, still see a lot of Frank Kaminsky because again he missed summer league so you want to see him continue to develop Uh, well speaking of watching the Hornets the uh, Charlotte Hornets releasing their watch party dates and and locations so if you are uh, in in the Charlotte area uh, a couple of away games you can uh, do these watch parties with the Hornets Uh, they're all going to be at Wild Wing Cafe here in Epicenter this season 
the first game of the season, October 26th versus the Bucks. Opening night, it will be in Milwaukee, uh, but you can watch it uh, with uh, with the Hornets organization, 8 p.m. at Wild Wing Cafe. And then in December, they're doing two games, December 14th and 28th. February, one game, February 15th. Uh, all of these again at Wild Wing Cafe in March, March 8th versus the Heat and March 29th versus the Raptors. So there you go. Get out, eat some wings. Get out there. Watch some, some wings. Hornets. Never a bad thing. Hey, David, I, I, read, I read a really cool article on the Charlotte Hornets. You, you want to know where I read it? Where did you? That wasn't. You, okay. Yeah. Where'd you read that, Doug? Cyberspace set free. Hello, virtual reality. Interactive appetite. Searching for a website. A window to the world. Got to get online. Take a spin. Now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. We surf, we scour the internet looking for articles that mention your Charlotte Hornets. This one coming to us courtesy of TheRinger.com. Jason Concepcion writing an article entitled, Whose NBA Team Is This Anyway? Determining the alpha personalities on each NBA team. Jason determining that the alpha personality on the Charlotte Hornets is Kemba Walker. Go read the article for the full breakdown of how Jason... Uh, managed to, to uh, figure out how each team or what each team's alpha personality personality was. But David, do you think that Kimba Walker is the alpha personality on the Charlotte Hornets? I agree with this pick, Doug. I mean, first of all, it's a players league, and some of most of the coaches that were picked as the you know running their team um, were more well not well known but more name brand i mean clifford is getting there right i mean and i think around in basketball circles certainly he's looked at as one of the top uh coaches or getting up there uh in the nba but not you know obviously not up there with like a pop or even a brad stevens as far as just you know the love that he gets from a national perspective i'd say and so yeah i think it is kimball walker's team and i would uh i would agree with uh jason concepcion and that wasn't surprising to me. I, I, I mean, Clifford is obviously the only other choice. I don't think you're going to put Rich Joe in there. They mentioned uh, owners weren't eligible, so so MJ is not on there. And so I think the first thing people think about when they think about the Hornets is Kimball Walker. David, I vehemently disagree. It's debate night in yep. America tonight, and and I disagree with you. I think that uh, that Steve Clifford unquestionably owns this team, and and here's why. I think that. In terms of leverage, I don't. He had leverage, I think, going into uh, him getting that extension. Several teams were rumored to to want to talk to to Steve Clifford because he's coached for high profile teams. He's coached under the sure. Van Gundys, uh, and so you know he has a great pedigree and he's respected widely around the league and by players. Uh, but also, I look at this team and I think I just every player move they make seems to fit what Coach Clifford wants to do with this basketball team. Like Rich Cho, the organization, they go out and find players that fit his system and personalities that fit with what he wants to do. And so that to me signals that, well, first of all, he's never he's rarely going to have to confront a power struggle with a player. But even yeah. if he but even if he did, I feel like Michael Jordan and Rich Cho are on the same page as Steve Clifford about what kind of team wins basketball games 
and ultimately wins basketball titles. And that's what they are trying to build. It's not a situation where uh, Coach X wants to do this, but they're building that kind of team. You know what I'm saying? I do, and I get it. I just think when the players like who, who do, you, do you think if Kimba Walker said, "I don't like, I, I don't want to play for Coach well, Clifford that's anymore," what I, that's what I was going to get to. That's what I was going to get to. I, I, I think that when player and coach are on a relatively even footing, and I think that's pretty close here. Again, from a perception standpoint, nationally, I, I still think the player gets the nod. In well, the that's NBA. not what I we're mean, doing. We're not talking about national. Well, who actually is, uh, owns this team? I think it's Clifford. A national article. Uh, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's that stature of a coach where it's, I don't think he's, I don't think he's earned enough, uh, in his coaching resume. And look, no one on this team really has, I mean, it's not like any of them have any playoff wins, <laughs> but, I, but I still lean back to the player in this situation and Kimball Walker, especially if he's an all-star, if he gets all-star status, I don't think it's a question. Would you agree with that? Or but I, you, uh, you just Clifford? said it, he's not an all, how does a, how does a non-all-star have leverage over a coach in this situation. And, and I'll say this, here's no, but I'll say this coach Clifford, everyone on this team buys into his system. I totally agree. Okay. Well, to me that, that establishes authority that, and and not from a sense that not, not authority in the sense that, Hey, you do this because I'm the coach. That's not how it works in the NBA authority in the sense, authority in the sense that everyone respects him so much that, They will, they they trust him. Who's the one guy that could trust his ownership? Boat? Trust his ownership. That that's that the true Who? ownership is 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 a mutual <laughs> trust, and that's what he's established, and that's why I think he owns okay. the team. And who who what what's, what one player do you think could could disrupt that? If there was a revolt to be led, who would lead that? I mean, it's clear Spencer Hawes. <laughs> 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 he, would exactly. take, he would take the troops in. So no. you know, what I'm saying is Spencer Hawes owns this team. Well, we think that we talked about them needing a leader a couple years ago, right? When it was either Al Jefferson team or Kimball Walker's team. And over the last year, it clearly became Kimball Walker's team. And unless you've got a dominating personality, which that's not Clifford, he's not a dominating personality. He's not a bombastic coach. So I think that plays into it a little bit, and neither is Kemba. I mean, but that's, that's why they but work that, together yeah, it, so exactly. Well. That's exactly my point, David. Is that they the the organization has well, first of all, Steve Clifford has the players that were here before he was here bought into his system, and they they have now gone out and found players over and over that fit Steve Clifford's personality. So there, there needs to be no power struggle, and that's the ult- to me that's the ultimate ownership. Like if if the organization is finding players that fit your system, then you own the team. Anyway, debate um, night in America. Yeah, I guess so. I have a couple other of these were, but I still think if, if to me if if there was a if there was a standoff, you're taking Clifford in a loser leaves town match. You think the Hornets would would choose Clifford over over their best player at this point? I feel like yes. I feel and I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just I, I'm saying uh, that I think the player tends to win out in that situation. I, normally, hey, yeah. Well, I think out. I think certain players would would win out. I'm just I don't think that Kimball Walker is quite to that level where you go, okay, for sure. This you you can't you can't go out and find uh, another. It's going to be tough to find another Kimball Walker. 
I mean, it would be tough, but it wouldn't be impossible. It would. Well, we are in the age of the point guard. Like it's impossible to find another said. LeBron James. It's impossible to find another Carmelo Anthony. It's impossible to find, you know, another Chris Paul. I don't think it's necessarily yeah, well, impossible I, to find another Kimba Walker. I don't think it's impossible to find another Steve Clifford, though, either. He has to work a little, a little there's harder. Only, hey, listen, there's only, there are only 32 head coaches in the league. Oh, I know. And not all of them are good. I, exactly. I, look, exactly. <laughs> well, hey. The pool, the pool is not deep. Guards. For sure. Um but I think this was a this was good. I enjoyed that. We don't often. <laughs> you and I don't often. No, I'm serious. Like you and I don't often disagree so vehement. This is this is a great tie into the debate tonight. Are you watching? Let's end on this. Are you watching the debate? Uh, I'll probably tune into that debate. Yeah, I've watched the other two, so I want to be able to laugh at Saturday Night Live and know what they're referencing. So uh, that would be a big reason to tune in. Okay, but here you bring up a great point. Saturday Night Live essentially transcripts the debate and reads it back <laughs> for jokes. I'm not watching. Yeah. I've decided I'm not, I'm not participating because if someone ruins the end of a book or a movie for me, I just don't, I don't read the book. I don't watch the movie. It's I, the, the joy has been ripped from me. I know how this thing is going to end now, you know? And, and so there is, I don't, I don't feel like this debate coming up is going to provide me with any joy. So, uh, well, no, I don't think anyone's getting any. I don't think anyone's getting joy out of this. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the, Light, the, listen, the folks everyone, <laughs> life is too short to participate in things where there is zero chance of joy. That's you know, I, I told that to Sixers fans last season, and they wouldn't listen to me. They still went to the games, but uh, oh. yeah, don't just don't do it. Just go, just go take a walk, walk your dog. Uh, go grab some ice cream, do something where there's just a, even just the smallest chance of having joy. And that's, that's where I'll, I'll end things. Thanks for listening to locked on Hornets here on the locked on podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at locked on Hornets and subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. If you don't mind help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself, find the absolute 100% best Hornets talk anywhere. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow to offer you a preview of Hornets Heat here in Charlotte. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on Cal-